Today we are going to be talking about how to build shrine decks. So first of all, what is a shrine? So a shrine deck in my definition basically is a deck that is built around shrines. So the obvious question is, what are shrines? So shrines are an enchantment subtype that uh, basically have some form of, uh, the, usually it's on your upkeep or end step, um, but they say do something a number of times for each shrine you control or for the number of shrines you control. Uh, so it's either at your upkeep or on your end step, or sorry, not end step, pre-combat main phase, or it is on your, um, or you can just activate an ability or something else like that, something similar to that within that phase. So currently there are only 11 shrines. Uh, there were just some new ones printed in, oh, uh, what's, what's that called? M21, Core 21, Core 2021, uh, there are just some new one printed new ones printed there, six new ones, so now it can sort of be played now. So the idea is they are all legendary enchantments, by the way. The idea is to try and maximize how many of these you can get and figure out how you can best take advantage of it. So generally the largest categories of how to do this include enchantress. Uh, enchantress shrines and they include legendary shrines. Well, this part would be applicable to both, so I will tell you once I'm talking about a specific deck. So, first of all, uh, of course, uh, shrines are spread across all five colors, so it is a five color deck. Second of all, uh, basically, uh, so it's five colors, right? And because shrines are all legendary enchantments, we can take advantage of a commander called Sisse Weatherlight Captain. Sisse Weatherlight Captain is two and a white for two two. It gets plus one plus one for each color among other legendary permanents you control. And white, blue, black, red, green, search your library for a legendary permanent card with converted mana cost less than Sisse's power. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. We are also running all 11 shrines. Uh, the running all 11 shrines is mostly agreed on with some contentions. So the contentions include not running uh, Hondin of Seeing Winds because, uh, because it doesn't give you the option to draw for each shrine you control. In my opinion, that is a bad, that's a terrible decision. If you have enough shrines that you will have to deck yourself with Honden of Seeing Winds, you will be able to win. I don't think that's a valid reason, and therefore I am running it, but um, I could see someone maybe potentially doing that in an incredibly slow play, slow group. Okay, uh, next would be, so these ones are just ones, the activated abilities ones. So like Sanctum of Shattered Heights, two and a red for a legendary enchantment shrine. One, discard a land card or shrine card. Sanctum of Shattered Heights deals X damage to target creature or a planeswalker, where X is the number of shrines in control. 
You could argue that you don't use this very much, and I'd say you would be correct. But the fact that it is a shrine and helps all the other shrines makes it amazing. And the last one that is of contention, if I could find it, there it is, is Sanctum of Tranquil Light. White for legendary enchantment shrine, five, and a white tap target creature. This ability costs one less to activate for each shrine you control. Um, this is almost completely useless. For one thing, uh, it being a legendary enchantment in white means it won't pump Sese, right? Second of all, it's a shrine. It is a shrine, so that's good. Um, but the ability isn't that good. Even if you get it all the way reduced, which is a huge magical Christmas land uh, scenario, you don't. It's still not that powerful, and you're not going to use it very much. Um, honestly, this only saving grace is it is one mana for a shrine. That is the only upside. Yes, it does technically have use and is technically better than a one-mana shrine, but not by much. So I honestly would think it'd be justified to cut this, but just the fact that it's a shrine does so much for it. Alright, so the next thing I want to make note of is there's only 11 shrines. Now I said this already, that is not very many. And there's a lot of reasons why we can consistently get them, get more than that, but we're going to start with the obvious one. So as I read earlier, Sisei Weatherlight Captain has that Wooburg ability to search for a legendary permanent, which includes shrines, with CMC less than or equal to, or sorry, CMC less than Sisei's power. And then you put it on the battlefield. That way, you can get uh, sanctums or whatever. Uh, you can get shrines, or you can get other legendary things if you're in a pinch. So, basically, you know, like, this is honestly applicable to both. Alright, so, sadly, with Sisei's ability, you will have to have Sisei be at least one larger uh, from either having an additional color or from uh, being pumped by an, any pump effect we have. Uh in order to actually be able to get a shrine other than Sanctum of Tranquil Light, which will not pump herself. So that's a little annoying. But once we get, once we get Sanctum of Tranquil Light, we can get Sanctum of uh, Stone Fangs, which is one in a black. So that'll work. Honden of Infinite Rage, which, which is two in a red. Or Sanctum of Fruit, Fruitful Harvest, which is two in a green. Uh, then it just, there's plenty of options. But Point is, we do need one thing to kickstart it, so we do have a good amount of things that are legendary in order to help that be more possible. Alright, so let's get back into it. So here we have our shrines, right? We have 11 of them. We can assume we're probably going to get one or two. Well, not necessarily two. You'd have to be really lucky to get two. Probably about a 40% chance, maybe a 30% chance. Not particularly likely. And you have Sisei. When you cast Sisei and you get something out, you can start tutoring for these. And five mana is a lot, especially at such a demanding price, which is why this deck is going to be very difficult to do on a budget. You do have to make a very sophisticated land base. Now, again, not going to talk about my land base in the in like at all because 
I think it's much better for people to build their own land bases because it is so individually independent, uh, dependent, uh, with the exception of some utility lands which are uncommonly used. Point is, it is hard to fix. So you will have to probably spend a good amount of money on the lands. If you just run shocks, you run maybe pain lands, you run shocks, you run tri lands, and then you run something else that's not just tapped dual lands. So untapped lands that will tap for two colors. If you run that, you should be fine. Um, but I I don't know. You know, like it's it's difficult to fix. So you're gonna have to figure out how you're gonna do that. Uh, especially because it is five color. Alright, so that's a that's a downside. It's going to be expensive and dis disregard my land category. Uh, I might in the future. I haven't fully decided whether I do this or yet. Do this yet? But I've been thinking about for future builds. I might just put all of like I don't I don't know maybe a wastes. I'd probably use wastes. I'd put all wastes in the land category, and then people can just not not do what I'm doing because I don't think that is the most valuable option. I think the best option is for you to build your own land base based on your budget and what cards you have and your preferences. How fast is your playgroup? You know, what, how do you want it to be done? So there's a million different guides on how to build a land base, but I'm sure you can just look it up. How to, how to build an EDH land base. And if you want to do five color, stick that on there, go ahead. I know the professor to Laren Community College does have guides for those. I think I watched a couple of them uh, when I was new to magic. So I can I can recommend at least the uh, three color one. I haven't seen the other ones, I don't believe, but whatever. Okay, yeah, let's get back on track. So point is, we have shrines, we can tutor more shrines. But that's still going to be really slow and difficult to do. So, how are we making this easy? Now, the answer to that is a lot of different things. First of all, we have a ridiculous amount. Well, we have a lot of ramp. We only we have 14 pieces, which isn't a ridiculous amount. It's just a lot. So, 14 pieces of ramp basically means we can get mana a lot easier. Uh, a notable thing about this ramp is it is all enchantments. Well, not all, mostly enchantments. Now, the reason that this is good is because this, and I'm now transitioning into the Enchantress version, right? This is the Enchantress version of the deck uh, that I'm talking about now. So if you want to do the Legendary version, go in the description and there will be a, a timestamp. Or if you're on YouTube, it'll be a chapter. Uh, where you can skip to where I'll talk about the legendary shrine independent things. So the reason that uh, these enchantments are good uh, is because this is an enchantress deck. Now, if you don't know what that is, an enchantress is a usually a creature, but it can be anything. It, it could be an enchantment or really anything that basically has some form of whenever you cast an enchantment spell, draw a card. Now, there are some variations, and in this deck, I also included whenever you play legendary draw, legendary spell, draw a card, and whenever you play a historic spell, draw a card, which would include artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. So, 
that way there's, you know, so basically the point is whenever I cast a specific type of spell, I draw a card. So I have 10 of those cards. Now, enchantresses do get relatively expensive, but according to Architect, which I will say is not necessarily accurate, uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. According to Architect, it this entire category, and it looks pretty accurate just from a quick overview, is $47. Now, I'm pretty sure... Uh, no, I, never mind. Sorry. I just am confused because that's a lot cheaper than I thought because a couple months ago uh, an Enchantress Commander was printed and it made the prices spike a lot. So it just dropped down because the hype is not quite as crazy. So... It's an Enchantress deck, right? And we have 10 Enchantresses. So naturally, we have to run as many enchantments as possible. And when we cast a spell that gives us mana and it draws us a card, that can be incredibly powerful. Because we are drawing more cards that will give us more mana that will draw us more cards. And that's just a really easy way to get out of control. Snowball, get really, really good. So, that can be incredibly useful. And we have a good amount of ramp. So, we can generate mana to pay for the cost. And the second thing we have, although I did categorize this under ramp, is untap. So, basically, it's some form of on your opponent's turns or on your end step or something like that, untap all your lands. So you get to untap multiple times that you can use for Sissé's ability. Uh, keep in mind, in this deck, there is not a Seedborn Muse. I would highly recommend that you run a Seedborn Muse in this deck. Um, honestly, I got a little bit more caught up in what I want to build. Uh, I should not have cut that. Uh, uh, Seedborn Muse basically is 5 mana for creature, and it untaps all, all your permanents on each other player's untap step. Uh, definitely add that in. I think I'm actually going to add that in right now. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to cut yet, but uh, when I release it, something will be cut. Uh, point is, Seedborn Muse is amazing, right? Just being able to untap everything, every turn, and being able to activate it. Being able to activate Sisse ev on every single one of your opponent's turns is going to get insane. Think of it this way. Imagine you have two shrines out right now. Then you get, then you pass the turn, right? You just got three more shrines. That means that five individual shrines will be triggering, well, one time, but four times five of the effect because you have so many shrines. That is amazing. You just get so, so much value. And then uh, beyond that, there's also Fires of Invention, which is 3 and a red for an enchantment. You can cast uh, spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You may, pass, you may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs. Basically, uh, the reason this is good is because, first of all, I might be able to get uh, some value or at least break even with that first ability. Uh, and the second ability of not being able, not having to pay mana cost is really good 
because you can use those lands on Sisse. Uh, you will be able to use those lands on something else, which is incredibly powerful. Alright, so another method we can use of getting more shrines is tutors. Now, in this version of the deck, I am only running three tutors. But if you have the budget, I would highly recommend you increase that. If you can run Demonic Tutor, if you can run Grim Tutor, if you can run uh, Gamble, if you can run, uh, what's that one, one mana, it's a single white, it's an enchantment tutor, it looks at the top of the library, uh, it's like $40, oh I know it, it goes on the top of the library, you search your library for an enchantment and it goes on top, yes, or Enlightened Tutor, if you can run Enlightened Tutor, do that. Oh, Idyllic Tutor. Am I running that? Yeah, I'm running that. If you can run these cards, do it. It will make this deck work better. Uh, so that would be incredibly helpful. This is a somewhat budget deck. I'm putting heavy quotations on budget. This, at this current moment, is $300. $340. That's if we assume you spend about $100 on lands, $120 to be specific, which... Totally depends, and I'm not going to recommend you do that. But point is, uh, for about $341, uh, that's not budget. That is 100% not budget. But it's not a super expensive card, a, a super expensive deck. And I have cut a couple of cards for price. By a couple, I probably mean like ten. Uh, but usually, I just don't include them in the first place because of price. But that's not the point. The point is, it's just expensive. Like, you know, it's not needed. Maybe, maybe you really want to make this better and maybe you have the money, go ahead. But I'm not pressuring you into paying more. Pay what you can and you'll come out with a good deck. And I welcome you to make changes to this deck. First of all, do that in the beginning. Like, just do that. Take this deck, make a copy of it or whatever. And then just make some tweaks. Change it up. What do you, what cards do you have? Uh, what cards can you buy? All these different things. Do not take my base version of it. Um, do that. And then and then you can maybe buy more. Uh, it's up to you. It totally depends on the person. Alright. So let's keep going. So we have... So there's a couple things we want to maximize. We want to maximize how we can get these shrines. Now, optimally, we would get the we would get to cast the shrines, but we don't really get to do that. Uh, so it's better to take advantage of the because of the enchantresses. It's nice to have some enchantresses that basically uh, work on enter the battlefield. So one example of that would be Doomwick Giant. Now, this technically isn't an enchantress, but it is four and a black for an enchantment creature giant. And it's a 4-6. Constellation. Whenever Doomwake Giant or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, creatures your opponent's control get negative 1, negative 1 until end of turn. The reason that this is good is pretty obvious. I mean, first of all, it, in, it works on enter the battlefield. So it'll work with Sese. Second of all, um, it, it's a, it just is good. Giving your opponent's creatures... Negative, negative one, negative one, negative one is surprisingly useful. Uh, it will kill a significant number of creatures 
a lot of the time. So totally depends on the meta and stuff, but that can be incredibly useful. And the second thing is you could very, very easily cast more than one uh, enchantment first per spell, per turn. Uh, I'd be surprised if you cast three in a turn, but two is definitely, definitely common. So that is incredibly useful, and we have some of those that have the draw card effect, but I figured I'd bring that up too. So get it, taking advantage of those is much easier, but we also want to maximize the number of enchantments we have. Now, I didn't make very many changes because of this, because when you're building a deck, you really don't want to make sacrifices uh, in relation to making it better. If you can get uh, enchantments that are good and useful in the deck, uh, then that's going to be great. So I got those. So for this category, uh, there's a lot of different things. Um, first of all, there's Greater Oromancy, which is one in a white for an enchantment. Other enchantments you control have Shroud, and enchanted creatures you control have Shroud. So basically, uh, first of all, probably cut this. It is $40. Only reason I have it in here is because it, it it is because I have it. I think I'm probably gonna make a copy of this because I'm probably going to build this deck. Uh, I'm probably gonna make a copy of this deck and post a slightly uh, more budget accurate version of this deck. But point is, uh, I already have this and you probably don't need it, but it is incredibly good. One in, in a white for an enchantment, other enchantment enchantments you control off shroud, and enchanted creatures you control off shroud. That is incredibly useful. Giving things protection is awesome. All right, uh, keep in mind, if you're using this in a uh, aura deck, a deck that has lots of things that enchant creatures, uh, you won't be able to, do, to equip another aura to it. So just keep that in mind. All right, uh, then is Hadana's Climb. Hadana's Climb is one green blue for legendary enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then, if that creature has three or more plus one plus one counters on it, transform Hadana's Climb. There are a lot of reasons why this is good. Why this is good. So, if you look at it in the beginning, you're just gonna think it's bad. But if you look at it a little deeper, you'll see why it's good. So, first reason: it triggers at the beginning of combat on your turn. So you can cast it in the first main phase uh, right after you cast Sisei and pump Sisei. That way, Sisei will be larger so you can you can search for bigger enchantments. Second of all, it is an enchantment, which is awesome. It triggers our enchantresses. It triggers tons of stuff. That is awesome. Third, it is legendary. And it's one green-blue. So this means... That with Sisei, it's going to give her plus two, plus two, and then another plus one, plus one from the counter on the first turn you cast it. She will immediately be a 5-5. Five five. Third, it's only three mana. Fourth, if it has three plus one, plus one counters on it, which could happen by turn six, which is relatively early, then you get to transform it. And when you transform it, first of all, that's sort of ramp, which is awesome. And second of all, it has this ability. Uh, well, first of all, it can tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, which is awesome. And it can tap one green, blue, tap. Target creature you control gains flying and gets plus X plus X until end of turn. 
where x is its power. For, so you're doubling its power. Now, yes, you won't get that uh, one green blue legendary uh, bonus, but you are searching so many giant um, enchantress effects, you're probably going to already have maxed it out and doubly done so. So that's incredibly useful. This is an incredibly good card that is that looks bad. It really does, but it is deceptively useful. Alright, so I'm going to go over one more of these because it's awesome. Uh, Paradox Haze. Two and a blue for an enchantment aura. Enchant player. At the beginning of enchanted player's first upkeep step, that player gets an additional upkeep step after this step. So, the reason that this is good is because roughly five, uh, no, I think it's four actually, uh, four of my shrines uh, will trigger on upkeep. So, this means that they will be doubled. So, if I draw this, I can just tutor out the ones that trigger on upkeep. And that will be incredibly useful. I will get so many extra triggers from it. Trust me, it's worth it. Think of it like having another shrine. It's just very, very good. Now, it's not exactly another shrine, because if you have multiple, it'll kind of work like two shrines. But if you don't, then you don't get the stack of getting extra, bon extra bonuses for it being a shrine. So I'm just going to say it's roughly equivalent, which is awesome. Maybe it's a little better. I don't know. Point is that, I mean, that's, that's the deck. So we also have Recursion, we have Targeted Removal, we have Wraths. I'm going to read off one, two of those. Uh, first we have Ursus Weirdness Blast, which is four and a white for Legendary Sorcery. Exile all non-nine permanents that aren't legendary. So that means we get to keep our commander and we get to keep our shrines, which is awesome. We also get to keep a whole lot of other things, but those are the two main ones. And Extinguish All Hope, which is four black, 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 or sorry, four black, black, and it says destroy all non-enchantment creatures. We don't have that many enchantment, do we even have any? We have a couple enchantment creatures, um, mostly enchantresses, or some version of that, and this has very, very small utility. But point is, it's a wrath. Stress all creatures, and there's a small chance it'll uh, save one of ours, too. So, I mean, that's that's the Enchantress version. Uh, I will leave a link in the description to this uh, deck list, but this, this is good. I mean, this is an interesting deck, in my opinion, and it's a good way to take advantage of these shrines by getting draw on their Enter the Battlefield. And that's great. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know what else to say. This is, this is a pretty cool deck, and I think it could work quite well. I think I will probably be building this deck. Not 100% sure. Alright, next category, next way of playing this deck is Legendary Shrines. So, by this I mean, you are taking advantage of the legendary aspect of the shrines. The fact that the uh, that the shrines are legendary is how you're profiting. All right, so let's get into it. So first of all, again, of course, I said this earlier uh, when I was talking about the overview stuff. Uh, I'm running all the shrines. Uh, I have tutors. I have many more tutors this time. I have nine. Uh, some are for legendary stuff. 
some are just, you know, reasonable or whatever it might be. Uh, but I am running a lot more tutors here. Uh, I was much, much more open with the budget on this. This is $412, uh, but it can be lowered by a lot very easily. All right, so first of all, yes, we have a lot of tutors and a lot of shrines. And as I said earlier, we can use this say over and over and over again to trigger the shrines, or sorry, to get shrines from your library. Uh, in terms of other, we just have random stuff that will trigger when we're doing it. And we also have recursion. I'll cover other again later. But now we get to the more unique stuff. Now, I would say this is a significantly more good stuff deck. But uh, some people like that, some people don't. I I'm just telling you. So we have removal, of course. We have a good amount of removal. Uh, and we have four wraths, uh, we have, we have four wraths, and we have seven pieces of, uh, remove, targeted removal. So, that's a good amount, uh, in my opinion. Uh, maybe a lot, maybe a little heavy on the targeted removal, and I might want to increase the number of counter spells in here, but it's pretty close, it's pretty good. So, now we're gonna get on to the unique stuff. So, First of all, we have the draw. So this is some partially good stuff draw. But we also have some other things, such as, let's see, we have an insight, an heuristic study. That's good stuff draw. We have Joyra, Weatherlight Captain. That was in the last one. Uh, because historic spells count legendaries, uh, we will get to draw off of our legendaries. And we have Kamal's Druidic Vow, which I'm now not sure if it counts as draw, but I put it in there a long time ago. So we're going to count it. Uh, X green green for a legendary sorcery. Look at the top X cards of your library. You may put no any number of land and or legendary permanent cards with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest into your graveyard. So if you just uh, do CMC5, you will get all shrines uh, that show up in the top of your library. Generally, I just pay all my mana. I mean, it depends. If you suspect your opponent has a uh, counter, unless your opponent pays a certain amount of mana, you might want to do that. Uh, but point if that's really common in your meta, which, I mean, mana leak, is that the right? I'm not sure if mana leak is the right card, but it's one in a blue for counter spell, and they can pay three mana to make it not happen. So I'm not sure if that's the right card, but you get the point. Alright, so next category is also unique. Legendary. So these are here because they are legendary. These are ways to get, well, mainly ways to get Sisse bigger. So basically they're just one CMC legendary things. So I have Norn the Wary, Oath of Nyssa, Avaya Pashiri, and Zergar Bell Striker. I'm not going to read those because they're not important. Point is... They're one mana, either red or green, two green, two red, and they do they're in they are legendary. Sorry, there's a lot of background noise right now. So point is, uh, you know, that's the idea. This, as I said, is a much more good stuff deck. Uh, like the tutor category, for example, is much more well packed. And there's more removal, you know, stuff like that. Alright, so what else is there? I still have that paradox haze from earlier, which is awesome. 
I have the Cabal Paladin. I have a Cabal Paladin, which is three and a black. Whenever you cast a Historic Spell, Cabal Paladin deals two damage to each opponent. So whenever you cast your Legendaries, you get that. You have we have Fires of Invention, which is awesome. Uh, so we also have our ramp. So this is actually a rather unique uh, section. So for one thing, we have all this untapped stuff that we had before. Uh, next up, for another thing, we have basically just ramp that is on legendaries. So planeswalkers, maybe legendary creatures, anything at all. Uh, we have a good amount of those and don't think it's really worth it to read them off. But you get the point. We also have a couple pieces of good stuff. Ramp. Now, notable, I included Chromatic Order, which is 7 for a legendary artifact. You may spend mana as though or mana of any color. Tap, add, colorless, 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 colorless. You know what? 5 colorless. Uh, and it has 5 tap. Uh, draw a card for each color among permanents you control. So, I am mostly regretting uh, including this. I would recommend that you do not run this uh, for a very specific reason. Now, if you are running Pump for Sisse, definitely run this. The way that Sisse works is 2 and a white. I'm going to read it again for 2-2. Two, two. It gets plus 1, plus 1 for each color among other legendary permanents you control. So the biggest Sisse can get is a 7-7. Seven, seven. And her ability, white, blue, black, red, green... Search your library for a legendary permanent card with a converted mana cost less than Sisse's power. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. It says less than, not less than or equal to. So if Sisse's power is 7, she will not be able to get Chromatic Orrery and tap it again to use the ability again. If you want that to happen, you will have to use an external pump source which is very possible and very useful, and it will work, but I don't have very many of those in the deck. That can be very effective in the deck, depending on what you're doing. But in this deck, I have enough ways to get little incremental benefits. As I'm going along, my power on Sisse will build up to where it needs to be. So I don't need to run too many pump effects, although I am running some in the Enchantress version, but only two. So you get the point. Um, it's just, it's not, it's good. You know, like if you cast it in the future, you can use it, but it's not that good. And I'd probably cut it, but not necessarily. I'd probably actually replace it with John Gigantha, the Wellspring. Um, that's probably better in this case. Point is, probably don't run that. Uh, I think I might have to do some alterations to these decks after this episode because I, when you look at them again in this light, it just, you see so much wrong with them. And honestly, that's it. Like, the Legendary Shrines is kind of, kind of similar. Uh, for one thing, I did use this as a base for the Enchantress Shrines, but they are extremely different and I don't think it's held back by that. So, I mean, these are really fun decks, and I think that they will both work. In my opinion, and again, this is my opinion, and this is a 100%, well, I'm not sure about the again part. This is a 100% opinionated uh, choice. Do not just build the deck that I recommend because I chose it. 
I personally would rather go with the Enchantress Shrines because I get much more synergy, right? I get to run a whole lot more Enchantress enchantments that are playable than I do Legendary cards. I get to run Enchantresses versus a couple random cards that synergize with Legendaries, mostly Historic stuff. And I still get to run a ton of Legendary Permanents for Sissé's ability. I have the ability to pump her up very effectively. And I don't think that's that big of an issue in order to build around Legendary. Even if... Even enough to make yourself build around Legendary. Even if on paper, if you're just looking at Sissé and Legendary and Sissé and, and Enchantress, it just... It does seem better. It makes sense that you would build Legendary so that Sissé is bigger so you can get more Shrines. Then you'll have all the shrines that are legendaries and all the other things that are legendary to pump Sisse, and it just makes sense. But if you're going to do legendary, I'd recommend probably you could also do pump. Uh, I I mean, I don't think pump is necessarily good for Sisse because you only need to get it to five, uh, sorry, six in order to get to be able to get all the shrines. But you know what? Maybe it is. Maybe the best strategy is just to build Enchantress and then no other and then no other legendaries and you know ten pump effects. I don't know. Uh it's up to you. Uh maybe take these as a base, maybe take them as a guide when you're building your deck. Whatever you do, just don't make an exact copy. Especially with the lands. You can do it if you really want, but it's just not recommended. You're not going to get what you, in particular, are looking for. You're not going to get your special, your, your, unique in, your uniqueness. You're not going to get your pet cards, whatever it might be. So, I, I mean, look, I can't, I can't stop you. And I'm not saying you're not allowed. But just consider it if you're going to net deck this. Alright, well, these are two fun decks. Uh, hopefully you enjoy them. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.